Amen. Well, good morning, Woodland. Let's give the Lord another hand of praise this morning and thank him for his presence. Today, as we continue our series in Ephesians, I'd like to talk to you about powerful living. And I need you to pray for me. I've been in hospitals all week long with various families, and I developed a deep chest cold last night. And so if you pray for me, and God will give me the voice. If you don't pray, I'll only preach about five or ten minutes. So you might not want to pray. But if I can't preach longer than that, you're in big trouble for not praying. Because God answers my prayers. I'm going to be praying for you. Welcome back home to the Arnstons. We're glad you're here today. Welcome them back, if you would. They've been gone a long time. I, um, I want to talk to you about power for living. Fascinating passage of scripture that we're going to look at this morning. One that I just really personalize as I read it. And we'll personalize it as we read it together this morning. The power of the Holy Spirit is unlike any other power that you know of or that you're aware of. It's not the power of politics. It's not the power of nations. It's not the power of companies or corporations. God's power is a creative power. We know that just by looking at the universe. God's power is also a redemptive power, a transforming power, a power that saves, a power that delivers, a power that redeems, and the word redeems mean that, means that he buys back. It's interesting to me, too, though, that Jesus' power would give sight back to the blind. Jesus' power would take a crippled man who'd never walked, and he'd walk. Jesus' power, his word, literally, Peter got out of the boat and stood on the water. He said, Pastor, you really believe that? Absolutely, I do. I've never done it. Wish I could but I've never done it. But what fascinates me is that Jesus promised this power to his church, to you and me. Jesus promised this power to us and that we could use this power for his glory and honor. The early apostles in the early church, they believed Jesus. Well, most of them believed Jesus. Some of them used the power of God and some of them didn't. And today, there are people who believe Jesus and God uses them. God answers their prayer. I tell you all the time, I believe it, God answers my prayer. It may not always be the way I want God to answer my prayer, but God always answers my prayer. And I've learned to trust, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a great way to live. I pray this morning as we go through the word, you'll understand this power is for you. There's a lot of power showdowns, a lot of power battles, a lot of conflict of power in the Bible. There's the spirit of Pharaoh, Pharaoh who had God's people in captivity. God called Moses, Moses obeyed God, Moses trusted God, and God delivered his people from captivity. You know that story. However, the spirit of Pharaoh is still alive today. There are people that still being controlled that don't have to be controlled, that God will set free. You've read about the spirit of Absalom, of how that Absalom divided a kingdom and divided a family. And there's that spirit that divides marriages and homes and companies, nations, churches. 
wherever that spirit of Absalom in its pride rears its head unless the people of God exercise the power of God. You've heard of the spirit of Goliath, of how that he thought he could intimidate the armies of God. And a little bitty boy by the name of David came out and unlike the brave battle-hardened warriors of Israel, this kid went out with only a shepherd's sling and five stones and he brought a giant down. And there are people today that are intimidated. Maybe you're here and you've been intimidated by the power of the devil. And God wants you to understand about the spirit-filled life and how God can set you free. There's a spirit of Herod that I still believe is alive in our world today. As we get ready to celebrate Advent and worship and pray, O come, O come, Emmanuel, as we pray for the second coming of our Lord, we remember how that in his rage and his anger, Herod wanted to kill all the babies, hoping the baby boys hoping to kill Jesus in Bethlehem. That same spirit rages today, trying to destroy the souls of those of our children that we've raised to know God, trying to destroy the faith of those who've recently crossed the line and given their hearts to Jesus Christ. That spirit of Pharaoh that takes and puts children into captivity and sexual slavery. If you'll go home and read your paper today, there's an article about how a little girl, 15 years old, with slight mental disabilities, been hired by two different strip clubs who care nothing about that girl but care about the perversion and the money they can earn off of her that spirit of Herod is still alive in our world today to destroy and so this morning as we talk about the power of the spirit-filled life I pray that you're going to think about Pastor Warmbrand in Romania I pray that you'll think about his faith and what God did in his life I pray that you'll remember something I just want to personally share with you right now Becky's cousin is a missionary in Romania we were on vacation in Central Europe a number of years ago before we ever moved to Michigan and we drove down to visit him and his family in the youth camp that they run they rescue children out of the sewers and off the streets of Bucharest a few years ago I hosted here Romanian Assemblies of God leaders to help them in, in reaching out not only in Romania, but to Romanian believers here. And what a wonderful conversation I had with some of those elderly men of what it was like to serve God under communism and the persecution for their faith and even to see the scars they bore upon their bodies. Pastor Rick's right. We don't understand how blessed we are in America. Because you see, there's still a spirit of Jezebel that makes men and women hide. We're afraid sometimes to pray over our dinner in public because of what people might think about us. Or we're afraid to mention the name of Jesus because somebody might bring a lawsuit or be insulted. Friends, I think it's high time for spirit-filled men and women to know there is a power greater than the power that is in this world. We have been called to be more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So I'm gonna ask you if you would to stand with me and. I want us to read together Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15 through 21. I'm going to personalize it. You put your name in there. So Dennis, be careful how you live, son. Don't live like a fool, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Dennis, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
By the way, I ask you to read this with me. So let's start over again. I want you to read this with me, okay? So be careful how you live. Don't be like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Let's read that last sentence again together. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Father, we live in a violent world. God, synagogues, churches, schools, marketplaces, here in Detroit, Lord, in homes and subdivisions, it's a violent world. God, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We want, Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit. So I pray, open our hearts and minds and help us to catch this this morning because all that we've read about and these glorious things about who you are and your mysterious plan and how we're to apply this to our lives together, I ask you that, God, you would give us insight and a commitment to take up our cross and to be passionate followers of Jesus Christ. For it's in your precious name I pray. And everyone said, amen and amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Well, the first thing that I see in this is that the Lord is telling me and telling you, telling all the church, live carefully. Live carefully before the Lord. Take thought of your life. The Bible says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are, my, who are wise. In other words, give careful thought to the way you live your life. Give careful thought to the way you plan your days and your time. Give careful thought to what you're going to be doing. In my opinion, most Christians don't consider time and space as important as it really is. Those are two things that God gives us differently than he gives the animals. God gives us time, and we don't think of time just as a cycle of life and a cycle of time. That's what the false religions, and that's what the ancients believed. They, the reason they worshiped gods that were associated with fertility cults, and because they wanted the rains to come at the proper time. They wanted harvest to come at the proper time. So they sort of thought of life as a cycle, but the Bible teaches us that life is a linear progression in time, and there are seasons in life. God gives us time that we live in. This word time that we're looking at is a time that... Uh, it's the season of life. It's the season of life that I happen to be in. The season of life that I'm in right now is much different than the season of life that I had when I was in my teens or in my 20s or my 30s. I feel differently now than I felt when I was in my teens or my 20s or my 30s. I think differently. I dream differently. There are different things in my mind. The Bible uses a lot of words for time, but this word, seasons, this word is an important word to understand that you and I are to be like the sons of Israel car that we're to understand the seasons or the times that we live in. But space is also important. 
because we live in the metro Detroit area. We live particularly in Down River. We don't live in Toledo. We don't live in Grand Rapids or Chicago. God has put us here in this time and in this space for a reason. What you and I are going to do for God, we're going to do it in this time and in this space that he has put us in. And so the Bible says we need to live carefully. We need to understand the elections are coming up this week. And I pray that you familiarize yourself with the seasons and the times that we're in, that you familiarize yourself with the issues that are be voted upon, and that you go in there not just wondering who this person's name is, but what this person stands for, what this person person's voting record has been, where this person wants to go with their vision. And I pray that you will also remember that you're a passionate follower of Christ. We're not going to post things on our social media that aren't true. We're not going to say hateful things on our media about people that disagree with us. We are passionate followers of Jesus. We're going to love those who disagree with us. We're going to love those who may be even hostile to what we believe. But we stand today representing a kingdom that is bigger than the United States. We represent Present the kingdom of heaven. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that this morning? The Bible tells us in Colossians 4, 5, just kind of to, to nail this down a little more, is live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most or redeem every opportunity that God gives you. We're to understand this time and we're to live wisely. The first thing Paul says is be wise, be wise. I don't know about you, Doug, I don't know about you, Pastor Rick, but the older I get, I find myself not praying nearly as much about some of the things I used to pray about, but I do find myself praying a lot for wisdom. I find myself more and more every day saying, God, I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom for this circumstance. I need your wisdom for this counseling situation. I need your wisdom for this. It's probably the most important thing that I pray for right now as a follower of Jesus Christ. But an egotistical person would have prayed for power. An egotistical person would have wanted to be the most powerful person in the world. A materialistic person would have asked for wealth. An ambitious person, he would have wanted his name known everywhere that he went and what he'd done. But Solomon wisely, when God tells him, God says, Solomon, you can ask me for anything you want. And Solomon in 2 Chronicles chapter 1 and verse 10, he asked the Lord for wisdom. And that so pleased the heart of God that God gave him everything else that he needed. Secondly, it's important that I understand the will of the Lord. I'm not only a wise man or you're a wise woman, that we understand God's will. And typically when we come to a phrase like this, we know that it's referring typically to the Bible, that if you want to know God's will, you study the Bible. What does the word have to say? I don't believe in this context, though, that's what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about the time, the season that they live in. He's talking about being wise. And so he's saying to you and I, we need a divine perception of what God is doing in this time. Jesus made a very interesting statement. Jesus said, listen carefully, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. The world doesn't need my opinion. The world doesn't need your opinion, and the world surely doesn't need a lot of the bloviating opinions that are upon CNN and Fox News and MSNBC, but they need the word of the Lord. They need to know what God says about the season and the time that we live in, so it's important if we're going to be wise and we're going to understand the will of the Lord, we not only know the scriptures and we meditate upon them daily, but we know how to live and how to speak to the season we live in. Ephesians 5, 17. Don't 
act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I hope you know what God wants you to do. I hope that you're living in that place of shalom that we've been talking about in the book of Ephesians, where God says you can have the peace of God, where God says you can have your life where everything is as it should be. That doesn't mean you won't have trials. That doesn't mean you won't have tribulations. Jesus had the shalom of God, but Jesus suffered. Paul had the shalom of God, but Jesus suffered. Suffering is not a sign of being out of the will of God, as we saw upon the video this morning. But what suffering sometimes mean is God has put us in a place where he can trust us with the issues at hand so that we can bring the will of the Lord and the word of the Lord and the way of the Lord to maybe even our captors like you saw in the video. Because the Bible says there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. And I'm sure that communist guard who was beating the feet of Pastor Warmbrand, I'm sure that the Roman guards who were beating Jesus, that when he died upon the cross and he says, surely this must be the son of God when Jesus prayed father forgive them they don't know what they're doing I'm sure that the praetorian guard when they were chained to, to Paul and Paul just loved his enemies rather than cursed his enemies this is not a season for us to curse those that disagree with us it's a season for us to be wise it's a season for us to understand the will of the Lord and to stand firm and fast upon God's promises can we give him another hand of praise this morning because the path that much of America and much of the world is upon is a path that will end in death and destruction, if not war. And the third thing Paul says is then he gets to where I want you to take a close look at this morning is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled, say that with me. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. One more time. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Please, one more time. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now my question to you is what are you full of this morning? Are you full of hot air? Are you full of baloney? Are you full of yourself? Are you full of the Holy Spirit today? You see, you begin to act like whatever you're full of this morning. Your life begins to produce the fruit of whatever you're full of. It's the reason that the Apostle Paul uses the symbol of symbolism of drunkenness here. Look at this verse with me. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We know what a drunkard does when they're full of alcohol. Some of them are happy and they're singing and they'll give you the last dollar in their pocket. They're just out of control. Some of them are mean and they want to fight at the drop of the hat. I had a cousin, Russell, who I love with all my heart, but Russell was a big muscular guy and Russell was strong and he had a problem with alcohol and, and Russell would get drunk and he would get mean and want to fight and sometimes Russell would come in when we were youth pastors in Valdosta and his face would be all bloodied and I'd say, what happened? He says, oh, I started drinking again last night. I say, Russell, there is a power that is greater than that. I will never forget the time when Russell gave his heart to Jesus Christ and God instantly delivered him from alcoholism and suddenly this mean man that his wife didn't like and his kids didn't like, suddenly he was a beloved man. There is nothing impossible with God. Can you say amen to that? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's important that you note right here that this filling 
this filling includes all of us. He's writing to the church. He wants all of us filled with the Holy Spirit, not just the board, not just the pastors, not just your small group leader, not just the children's group leader, but every single one of in here. God wants all of us filled with the Holy Spirit. And the second thing I want you to see, it's a continuous feeling. Filling In the Greek, that is this continual, ongoing process. And you say, well, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit when I got saved, why do I need to get filled again? Well, I can tell you that. Let me put on my doctor's hat this morning because you leak. You got holes in your life, just like me. We leak and so we need to come back and the book of Acts is full of examples of when, again, God would touch the church and fill them with the Holy Spirit. And we depend upon God daily. We, we don't just go out and live in our own wisdom and in our own strength, but we kneel before the Lord and we ask God, fill us afresh with his Holy Spirit. And friends, this is not the same as the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you read about in Acts chapter two where people were baptized in the Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues and there was other miracle signs that went along with that. But this is that daily power for living that you and I need. And so every day I acknowledge, God, I need you. And then the second thing in this that Paul wants us to see is that Paul says, I want you to make music to the Lord. I want you to celebrate and make music. I'm gonna ask the band to come on up and join me because we're gonna sing again. You know, making music, I can remember a song back when I was a teenager, and I'm gonna really date myself. I wish I could sing this morning because I could. Rick, do you remember this? We can make music. Sweet, sweet. Does anybody remember that? Sweet, sweet. Glenn Dryden, do you remember that? You're older than me now. Don't tell me you can't remember that. We can make music. We can make music to the Lord. I'm going to send it to you, Glenn. You just let me down, buddy. Glenn is my go-to person when it comes to old tunes. We can make music to the Lord. And there is power in music. There is such power when we sing to the Lord. It's the reason you need to be here on time. It's the reason you need to be here and lift your hands. There's power in lifting your hands. We don't do these things because it's a charismatic, spirit-filled, Pentecostal thing to do. We do these things because the Bible says to do it. We sing unto the Lord. We sing unto him, and God is enthroned. God says he sits enthroned upon the praises of his people. God loves your praise. I, I got to tell you something. When you pat me on the back and say, out of boy, I love that. When I pat you on the back and say, out of boy, out of girl, you love that. It's not egotistical. It's not vain. I'm going to go ahead and do what I'm supposed to do whether I get an attaboy or not. You're going to do what you're supposed to do whether you get an girl or attaboy or not. God is going to be faithful whether you are faithful or not. But when you love somebody, you just can't help but praise them. Can we give them a hand of praise for that this morning? When you love somebody, you just can't help it. I sing to Becky all the time. Sometimes I sing with Becky. She says, hush, hush. I said, but I want to sing with you. She says, but those aren't the right words. It says that when I get on the platform to lead worship, your words are in my head instead of the right words. There's power in music. I mean, she's great. She's gifted. And little old me that can't sing that well, I can mess her up. There's power in music. 
When you sing the praises of God and maybe you're in a prison cell, maybe you're intimidated by Goliath, maybe you're intimidated by Jezebel, maybe you're up against one of these spiritual powers of darkness, take off your jacket and begin to praise the Lord and the jail will begin to shake and the chains will fall off and you'll lead somebody to Jesus Christ because there's power in music. Didn't that happen in the book of Acts? I'm so sick of people telling me God doesn't do what he did in the Bible. Who made you God? God still does the same thing he did in the Word. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible tells us there's even a coming a time when we're going to, so let me just skip on from past the power of music to the future of music. Oh, no, no, I need to read this one word. Deuteronomy 31, 19. Write down the words of this song. Teach it to the people of Israel. Help them learn it so it may serve as a witness for me against them. Look at this. He took that law he gave them in Deuteronomy. He said, I want you to set it to music. He said, because if you set it to music, the people will learn it. I passed test in Bible college because in our children's church at 661 Orange Street in Macon, Georgia, which is now a parking lot, but in that little old back children's church room, we learn now, let us Christians try to tell the books of the Bible we know so well. And I was kind of ashamed to sing that song, Doug, because I wanted to be smart like everybody else. And all across Old Testament survey class, I could hear people go, now let us Christians try to tell. There's power in music. And when you sing these songs, they stay with you. You're going to forget a lot of what I preached, but you're going to be singing Ever Be all week long. You're going to be singing, and God's going to minister to your soul because when you minister to the Lord, the Lord ministers right back to you. That's what happens. And look at the future of music. I've got this mic all messed up now. So you'll go out and joy. You'll be led into a whole and complete life and the mountains and hills will lead the parade bursting with song and all the trees of the forest will join the procession exuberant with praise. Let the wilderness turn cartwheels. Animals come dance. Put every tree of the forest in the choir and extravaganza before God as he comes. As he comes to set everything right on earth. Set everything right and treat everyone fair. C.S. Lewis got a lot of his inspiration for Narnia from these, these verses. That's why you know about the talking animals and the trees. Tolkien got inspiration from these verses. Now hear me. You say, Pastor, you really believe that? That one day even the trees will sing? Oh yeah. There's life in this creation. We don't worship this creation, but it's God's gift to us. And the Bible tells us that the creation is moaning and groaning, waiting for the appearing of the sons of God. When Jesus comes back, if you've been with me studying the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights, it's a singing church in heaven. If it's a singing church in heaven at 24101 Van Horn Town, Brownstown Township, Woodland Church needs to be a singing church. Can you say amen? Becky, lead us in the song together. Let's stand. Stand up.
Hallelujah. Let's give him another hand of praise. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the band to stay with me and you can be seated. You think you'll be singing that song this week? You think you'll be ministering that to the Lord? And I'm going to tell you, as you minister to him, God will pour right back into your spirit. But why do we sing? Why do we take time to give? Why do we take time in our prayer? We've taught you the acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Why do we do that? Paul tells us to give thanks. In Ephesians 5.20, he says, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's an interesting passage to me. I don't think God is saying, give thanks as somebody is beating your feet. Although the apostles gave thanks that they were counted worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. I don't think it means, God, thank you that I've got cancer. But I do think it means that you and I understand there are some things in our life that God allows. And in spite of that, we give thanks. In spite of that, we worship him and we say, Lord, I'm so grateful to you for what you've done. This is not going to keep me from praising you. This cancer, this divorce, this death, that's not going to shut my lips up because I love you. I love doing life with Becky. I love doing life with you. I sat down just kind of jotting and journaling the people that I really enjoy doing life with. I thought about the calls I get from my sons and every time I see their faces appear on my iPhone, I light up inside. They're calling me. Sometimes it's just a, for a few minutes say, Dad, I got to tell you this. Or Dad, you should have seen this today. And sometimes, just like I did with my daddy, sometimes they say, Daddy, I wish you could have seen me do this today. And I say, man, I wish I could have been there too. And what I have learned is this. A true heart of gratitude, thankfulness comes from living in the presence of God. When you live in the presence of God, you just naturally become a grateful person. David goes through in Psalms 103 and says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. And may I never forget the good things He does for me. He forgives all my sins, heals all my diseases, He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. What's he doing? He's making a list. He's making a list of what he's grateful for. And where is he doing it? In the presence of God. Let all that I am praise the Lord. When you get in the presence of the Lord, you don't see an angry father. You see a God who loves you so much that he gave his son to die for you. 
The second thing I want you to see is thankfulness comes with humility. Proud people are never grateful. Proud people are never thankful. I, I may be a little old-fashioned, but I still like to handwrite thank you notes. <laughs> I want my kids taught them to write thank you notes. And forgive me for just a moment. I'm going to give whether anybody ever writes me back a thank you note. But sometimes when you do give a gift and nobody acknowledges it, you find yourself going, did you get it? I wonder if they got it. Surely they would have said thank you. It's not that you need to be thanked. So I'll go up to a niece or a nephew and I'll say, Josh, did you get that gift card that I sent you? Oh, yes, Uncle Dennis, I'm so sorry. I forgot to write a card. And maybe that's wrong. But I think there's a part of us, we like to be thanked. Am I the only one in that boat? I must be. Am I the only one in that boat? How many of you think God likes to be thanked as well? And humble people thank God. Third thing is thankfulness leads to a blessed life. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Jesus would have prayed this three times a day, just like Jewish people still pray this. He just acknowledged the goodness of God. And Jesus was blessed. And wherever he went, Jesus blessed others. And that's what happens when you live a blessed life. You don't become a consumer. You just become a giver. Have you ever gone through Starbucks? And now I have to tell you how I do it. You go through the drive-thru and you say, what did the person behind me order? If I can afford it, I'll say, I want to pay for their drink today. It just feels really good to bless. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone to Starbucks, I pulled up to the window, and somebody has said to me, says, oh, yours has already been paid for. The person in the car bought yours, or somebody in here saw you that knew you, and they bought your coffee. You see, thankfulness leads to a blessed life. And I'm pretty easy to buy for, because all I'll ever get is a grande, strongest, boldest coffee they got, okay? And then finally, thankfulness acknowledges life's flaws. That was a tough one for me to work through. Not in writing the message, but years ago. When I tell you that you can thank God for some things that are disappointing in your life, that you can trust Him, that He'll bring good out of that, look me in the eye. Don't look down. Don't make a note. Look me in the eye. I know what I'm talking about. I thank God for the flaws and the weaknesses of my life because there I've discovered His strength and His power to be the greatest. Don't get down on yourself because of your flaws. Don't get down on yourself because of your weaknesses. God is going to do something powerful through your weaknesses and your flaws. Can we give Him a hand of praise for that? And then finally, finally, reject a self-centered life. And those of you that are Bible students, and I appreciate those of you that are reading Ephesians with me and you're writing me, you may have thought because of the way the NIV or some other Bible 
takes this as a sentence and puts it with the next paragraph of families that I should wait. But in the Greek, that's not where that's at. You see, rejecting self-centeredness is a sign of a spirit-filled life. Submitting to one another is a sign of a spirit-filled life. When that word submission comes up, and I get, I can't tell you how many women over the years have came to me about the verse, we're gonna, one of the verses we're gonna look at next week. Wives, submit to your husbands. It's just one little verse, and there's so much more said to the husbands. I asked Pastor Rick, did you want to preach upon it? He goes, no. I asked Pastor Corey, will you preach upon this? He goes, I'll have to ask Jeanette. I asked Norma. She says, Rick can preach upon it if he'll preach what I tell him to preach. You see, this is important because you can't understand the next part of this passage. We're going to look at marriage next week and family. We submit to those we love. Let me say that again. We submit to those we love. Let me say it again. We submit to those we love. I love Becky. I have no problem submitting to Becky. I love her. She knows I love her. I don't believe you have any problem submitting to me, do you? Not most of the time. Do you want to preach this? Yes. You see, we submit to one another in the body of Christ and be submit further, submit to one another. Notice how he says that. I need to leave the platform for a moment. I want you to get this. The word submission is not a negative word. It's a quality word. How do you do it? You do it out of reverence for Christ. Actually, the word is out of fear of the Lord. Why do we submit to one another? Why do I submit to the board? I submit to the congregation. We submit to one another because we love and trust each other. And we do it out of the fear of Christ. Do you get that? I have no doubt in my mind that this probably is the key verse to understanding the spirit-filled life. Because until you learn to submit to God, you don't ever submit to somebody else out of reverence for Christ. But when you are submitted to God, it's a joy to submit to those you love. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, in the holy name of Jesus, I ask you right now, would you just search our hearts and search our minds? And I pray over the church. Fill us, fill us with the Holy Spirit. If you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you've drifted away from Jesus, or maybe you're even in a place like my cousin Russell, where your life is being controlled, this is your opportunity to submit to God by trusting in Jesus Christ, by asking Him to forgive you of sin. You say, what is sin? It's, it's our moral failures. We all have them. You heard Pastor Warmbrand say this morning, I hated the sin, but I love the sinner. God hates our sin, but He loves us. 
And so I invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Just You can pray it quietly, but pray it with sincerity to the Lord. And whatever power might be hindering your life, whether it's intimidation, whether it's something controlling, whether it's pride, whatever it is, God will break that. He'll do that this morning. Just pray like this, say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for making room for me in your great big house. I confess to you my sins, and I believe that what you did for me at Calvary paid for my sins, and I ask you to come into my heart. Make me a brand new creation. still bowed if you prayed that prayer would you hold up your hand I just want to be the first one that you tell I'm giving my life to Jesus God bless you sir God bless you say pastor I'm giving my heart to Jesus God bless you ma'am someone else you say pastor I'm giving my heart God bless you ma'am I see your hand sweetheart you can put it down someone else the Lord dealt with you this morning you are surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. You see, why is this important? Because you're putting it out on the line, at least to me. I gave my heart to Jesus today. Well, let's give the Lord a hand of praise for these that have given their hearts to